Hello, I'm Ruby, and today I'll be discussing Cleopatra VII, who was the last Ptolemaic ruler of Egypt until her death by suicide, following her and Mark Antony's defeat against Octavian's Roman army in 30 BC. This defeat effectively ended the Roman Republic, with Octavian becoming Rome's first emperor, Augustus, in 27 BC. Today I will be specifically looking at her reputations and the image we have of her. We will be seeing how this image came to be by looking at various sources, from Cassius Dio to Plutarch and medieval Arabic sources, and seeing if this reputation is entirely justified. Or if maybe we should be looking at things from another perspective. The first source I have is Cleopatra and Julius Caesar's first meeting as depicted by Cassius Dio in his Roman history, in which he says, for she was a woman of surpassing beauty. And at that time, when she was in the prime of her youth, she was most striking. She also possessed a most charming voice and a knowledge of how to make herself agreeable to everyone. Being brilliant to look upon and to listen to, with the power to subjugate everyone, even a love-sated man past his prime, she thought that it would be in keeping with her role to meet Caesar. And she reposed in her beauty all her claims to the throne. She asked, therefore, for admission to his presence, and on obtaining permission adorned and beautified herself as to appear before him in the most majestic and at the same time pity-inspiring guise. When she had perfected her schemes, she entered the city, for she had been living outside of it, and by night, without Ptolemy's knowledge, went into the palace. As we can see, a great emphasis is put on Cleopatra's sexuality, which he sums up when he says that she was a woman of surpassing beauty. By mentioning that she was in the prime of her youth, he is also alluding to her sexuality by pointing out that she was of reproductive age. He then goes on to describe her as knowledgeable on how to make herself agreeable to everyone, which implies to me a kind of inauthenticity, a manipulation, and that she perhaps shouldn't be trusted. In the text, we are told that Cleopatra had the power to subjugate everyone, and then Dio portrays Julius Caesar as a man past his prime and as love-sated, which suggests weakness under the influence of the manipulative and sensual Cleopatra. He says there was a great deal of calculation that went into how she presented herself to Caesar, as she adorned and beautified herself so as to appear before him in the most majestic and at the same time pity-inspiring guise. If the texts are an accurate representation, would it not be just as likely that she went to him as she was, his intellectual and diplomatic equal? This view of Cleopatra is more likely when we consider the Arabic texts. Okasha El Daly refers to her as a strong and able monarch based on these texts and mentions that they make no reference to sexuality or seductive power and that they seem to admire her scientific knowledge. In medieval Arabic culture, her image is that of a scholar who made significant contributions in the fields of alchemy, medicine and mathematics. However, Plutarch presents a completely different image of Cleopatra and Caesar's first meeting 
when compared to Dio. Yet the themes of manipulation carry on, such as by referring to her methods of obtaining audience with Caesar as this little trick and provocative impudence. He writes in his Life of Caesar that Cleopatra, taking only one of her friends with her, Apollodorus the Sicilian, embarked in a small boat and landed at the palace when it was already getting dark. Since there seemed to be no other way of getting in unobserved, she stretched herself out at full length inside a sleeping bag. And Apollodorus, after tying up the bag, carried it indoors to Caesar. This little trick of Cleopatra's, which showed her provocative impudence, is said to have been the first thing about her which captivated Caesar. And as he grew to know her better, he was overcome by her charm and arranged that she and her brother should be reconciled and should share the throne of Egypt together. Dio and Plutarch both seem to be portraying Cleopatra as a shameful seductress, but that doesn't seem fair. She was losing a civil war and Caesar was quite possibly the only person who could help her. She had to take the chance, even though the outcome was far from certain. She had an extensive knowledge of the Romans and probably thought that events were more likely to turn out well if she worked with them instead of against them. Ultimately, her strategy did work, with Caesar moving to end the civil war and to re-establish her as co-ruler alongside her brother Ptolemy. Dio assumes that should Cleopatra achieve what she had set out to do, that it would be through underhand means, by captivating Caesar and seducing him with her feminine wiles and silver tongue. But is it not equally plausible that Caesar was impressed by her intellect instead? The 10th century CE Arabic writer Al-Masudi refers to her as a philosopher who elevated the ranks of scholars. He also attributes many books on medicine, charms and cosmetics to her. In another of his Roman history, The Age of Augustus, Dio again portrays one of Cleopatra's Roman lovers, Mark Antony, as weak due to her seduction and the way she bewitches these good Roman men until they become slaves of her ambition. The reputation we have of Cleopatra, which is still seen to this day through various media representations, are Roman smear campaigns designed to absolve men previously seen as strong and incorruptible of any accountability for their actions, as well as of their masculine valour. It is designed to humiliate them, but unfortunately it influenced a centuries-long image of Cleopatra that probably wasn't entirely fair. All of this is vastly different to the way the Arabic world viewed her and of how she tried to represent herself, as seen through art, such as the relief sculpture at Dendera or coins minted in Antioch. Unfortunately, her reputation precedes her. Now, that's definitely food for thought. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, leave feedback, share and subscribe. You can also donate so I will be able to keep my podcast running and maintain it. Thank you.